Good morning, Chair City Church. How are you? Man, you don't give up. You know, the devil got up this morning. He said, I hope they don't get out of bed. I hope they stay in the house. I hope they stay in that room. But you said, ha, ha, ha. You pressed on. And here you are today kicking the enemy in his throat, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just don't know us at Chair City Church, huh? but God does. want to welcome everybody to week three of our current teaching series. It's the last week of our series, I Need a Breakthrough. We all need a breakthrough towards what God has for us, right? We want whether that breakthrough is in our marriage, job, occupation, school, finances, our fitness, and our faith. Oh, God in heaven, we need a breakthrough in our faith. Last week I talked about the things that need to be left behind in order to get to the things that God has for us. First week we talked about, you know, how Paul talked about in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 is, I want to know Christ, meaning he wants more of Jesus, right? That, that, that's kind of the mindset, the foundation of having a breakthrough, that there's more. Jesus, God in heaven, has more for you in all areas of life. But certainly, most importantly, he's got more of Jesus for you, right? Today, we're going to read, in a, as we have been reading every Sunday for the last few, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 through 14, the Apostle Paul writes, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Scripture says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Paul goes on to write, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already achieved perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward, forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Forgetting what is behind and pressing forward, always forward, pressing on. Always more, always forget, always forward. This is a breakthrough, the framework of a breakthrough. Today I want to talk to you about always forward. Remember that this is a, the chunk of scripture that when I first came to faith, I, it resonated in me. I, I recognized it, I could understand it. So I flipped through the Bible trying to find something that made sense to me or that I could understand or relate to. This was it. And what really came off the page to me, what resonated in me, was going forward. I wanted to go forward. You see, it takes grit to go forward. It takes grit to finish. Grit, sweat, and love. We got plenty of sweat here today, right? We got plenty of love here. I want to... Amen. <laughs> That's right. Jesus told stories to give people pictures to kind of impress on them what he was teaching, right? And today we're going to give you a story to kind of help support the truth we're bringing to you that'll maybe further stick in your mind. We're going to watch a short film about John Henry, who was once a slave, and then when he, when he got freedom, he took the chains that had held him in bondage, and he turned those chains into a hammer. So let's be encouraged by the story of John Henry. All right, so John Henry is a slave... He's in bondage, he gets free. 
and, and upon his freedom, he uh, takes these chains, forms them into a hammer. And in in what we're going to show you, he's got his boy with him. And, uh, you know, he hears about being able to work on a, on, on a, with the railroad. And he comes across these people that are working. They're like, man, you know, we, we don't need anybody to work on the railroad. We've got plenty, plenty of people. And besides, you don't have any experience doing this. His boy's like, Dad, what are we going to do now? He's like, we're going to work on the railroad. And he keeps going. He, he gives him a challenge that I can drive some spikes in with three shots. He does it. And they put him on their team. And they're like, look, here's the deal. If we can get to this place by this date, then everybody here gets 40 acres of land. And, you know, they're plugging along. They're right on schedule, maybe a little ahead of schedule. Well, the owners of the railroad company, they turn around, they undermine them, and they bring in this machine, right? They bring in this machine now saying, we anticipate that you're going to fail, so we're cutting the contract down, anticipatory breach of contract. We're going to turn around and have this machine now take your place. Well, they challenge, John Henry challenges the machine. They're coming to an agreement that it'll be a race. If they, if they take this bet that John Henry can beat the machine, then they'll go peacefully. If not, he's going to take the machine apart with his hammer, right? <laughs> bit by bit. Him against the machine, he's doing good, and they come upon a mountain. And that's when... When they hit the mountain again, the son's like, this is it. I mean, you got the machine against you, you got this big mountain. And he says, son, what did I tell you? When you can't get on the railroad, what do you do? He says, you don't quit. When a machine shows up, what do you do? You don't quit. And, and when you come to a mountain, what do you do? And the son says, you get the bigger hammer. He says, go get my bigger hammer. And now he's got these two big hammers, and he turns around, and bam, 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 bam. And he gets through, and he breaks through to the other side. And as a legend has it that he died, the truth is in the story, at least the way they put it out there, is that, you know, the guy telling the story, says, no, no, he, he, he kept living. He, he farmed that land, and his son and him grew up on that land. I know because I'm his boy, I'm his son, you know. And, uh, and he got, you know, his 40 acres land. He got a future for his son. So maybe with that, I can kind of keep it in there. What's the heart of a breakthrough? This threefold fire that sits within our soul, grit, sweat, and love, you, Right? And you hear that through the video, grit, sweat, and love. You see, all that speaks to going forward. The grit to finish. The grit to see your marriage to a better place, right? The grit to parent. It's hard to parent, huh? Somebody say yes, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that's the best response I've ever gotten in eight years. You got to sacrifice. You got you to continually inconvenience yourself to to discipline, to love, to train, right? You've got to see them through to the finish. You've got to see your children to know Jesus, huh? To keep going, to have grit, to see it to the end, right? The grit to finish your education, to, to do it as well, to finish out your job, to stick to your budget, to stay with that fitness plan, huh? The grit to deny yourself to participate, in, to participate in that life-debilitating addiction. The grit to put sinful ways behind you, right? And the things that have kept you chained down. The grit to see your faith through. To see your faith live large in your life. We've committed to follow Jesus. Let's follow him wholeheartedly in a grit way, man. Persevering. It takes grit 
to go forward. It takes grit to finish. It takes grit not to quit. Not to quit. That's who John Henry was. That's what God is calling us to. Grit not to quit. God has instilled that in us. He's made us that way. He's made us gritty individuals. That's what you have within yourself, huh? That's why the faith exists today. That's why we're still pressing on. That's why we bear and carry the torch of faith because those who follow Jesus have a grit. Anything worthwhile requires grit. Paul speaks to that grit in his life in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. He says, I have fought the good fight. It just sounds gritty right there, doesn't it now? I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward to me on that day. And not only to me, but all who long for his appearing, the appearing of Jesus. You see, Paul's a fighter. He's a finisher. Paul is a faith keeper. Do you have grit? Or do you know that it's in you? Are you living it out? When you look in the mirror, do you say, I have grit in me to persevere, to keep going? Well, well, what does that look like, Dave? You know, how do you practice that? You tell yourself, you train yourself, huh? and you tunnel through. First you tell yourself, or said another way, you change what you tell yourself, huh? Right? Now hang in there with me with this. God has designed us in such a way that there's a significant effect to what we tell ourselves. We, this is a big in, in our church. We talk about this a lot in our community of Christ followers, what we're telling ourselves, right? You hear me describe this as an internal dialogue or an inner narrative, right? You tend to believe what you tell yourself over time. If you didn't believe it, you wouldn't keep saying it, right? Uh, Les Parrott wrote a book called Three Seconds, the, and, and it's the power of thinking twice, right? And he talks about in the book, you know, about those people who seem to manage life in a, in a superior way versus those who did not. Those people who seem to overcome difficulties and move forward and achieve better things in life than those who didn't. He said the difference is about three seconds. We're all familiar with negative thoughts that come into our mind. The people who do well with managing those negative thoughts, he says take an extra few seconds, right, and review that thought. In psychology, it's termed metacognitive thinking. I just expanded your knowledge there, right? I mean, to think about your thoughts, right? People in these few seconds consider the accuracy of what they're thinking, right? They, they, they consider the other possibilities that could exist that are attached to what we're thinking. Whoa, I hope I'm expanding your world as I'm giving you this, right? They infuse hope into what they're thinking, huh? And, they, and, and, and the more that God could have for them in what they're thinking, huh? He mentions in the book these negative impulses that come to people who have this kind of a tendency to go the negative way, right? I think the negative impulses come to all of us, but again, the more you're training your mind, the more you're going with this, 
And these negative impulses never, ever pay off. They never pay off. He lists six of them. One, he says, the negative thought, the negative thinking impulsive that comes to you is give up before trying, meaning, you know, you just feel helpless and you settle with that. Two, shun a challenge because it seems daunting. Three, settle for the status quo, right? I mean, because just, we just, we're just not in the mode to have vision, to, to think about the bigger picture, to consider more. I should have put your picture up there that I sent to some people. I'll do it. I, I, I took Christy out last night, and, and, and I just started to articulate what's been really bubbling up in me on what, you know, the more I see that's coming for us in the next few years, right? I said, I think I got it. Here it is. And she finally looked at me. She said, just oh! She says, my head is exploding. She goes, my head's exploding. She goes, I got to tell you, it's, just, it's exploding. <laughs> when I finish, I'm like, what do you think? She goes, my head's about to explode, <laughs> you know? There's just so much more, huh? If you would just look and consider all that God is and all that Jesus has done and all that could be for you. Have vision. Four, shirk responsibility because it's easier to shift the blame on others, huh? Do the mere minimum because that's all that expected or that's all you expect from yourself, right? Avoid taking action because we fear, failure, right? And though there are challenges and difficulties and sufferings, is that, but that, that's, that's reality. Fear is a choice, right? When these thoughts come into your mind, they're sabotaging you. They're, they're, they're self-limiting thoughts, as we've been saying. And if you buy into these negative thoughts, you're going to believe it, right? And if you believe it, you're going to behave it. This is how God made us. God formed our minds that way. John Henry, he heard the foreman say, we don't need you. You won't be working on the railroad when he approached him. His son says, Daddy, what are we going to do now? John Henry turns to the son and says, Son, we're going to work on the railroad like I told you, huh? That's a don't quit attitude. I won't quit. That's a grit to the finish attitude to take the challenge on. When the railroad sent out machine to threaten John Henry's future, John Henry took three seconds. No one else around him did. Not the foreman, not the other workers, not his son. They just turned, they literally turned and they quit. There's nothing we could do. He took three seconds and then he put out the challenge and the statement to the operator of that machine. Huh? What did he do? He, he paused and he thought about the possibilities. He thought about the more that was ahead for him. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. And here you see Paul is trying to establish, amongst other things, you know, you know he, he's talking about truthful versus negative, right? I, I, I think it's such a powerful, powerful part of Scripture. My Lord, if you would pause for a few seconds and you would consider what Paul is saying, if you would practice this, what Paul is bringing us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, I'm telling you, it will change your life and your relationships. You will see the breakthroughs. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, I said true, 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 not what you think you're thinking, not what's happening in your attitude and in your mood, huh? 
not the way you're accustomed to behaving in your home and in your relationship. I said whatever is true. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. Say, say lovely with me. Yeah. Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, say think. Yeah, think about such things. He's telling us, man, whatever is admirable, praiseworthy, true, lovely, think about these things. Why is Paul telling us to think about these things? Because it matters what you think, right? And often what happens is we have these thoughts that are running through our mind when they're negative. They are almost always incomplete. All right, let me put it this way. They are often inaccurate, and they are almost always incomplete. I have rarely, rarely had a correspondence and exchange with somebody who's in a negative place and concluded that they, either by what I know or by discussion with them, that what they're saying is complete. It's incomplete. Listen to me. The negative thoughts you have, it's incomplete. That text you sent that was negative, huh? is incomplete at the very least and maybe inaccurate. That email you sent and the way you said it, it's in, your, your thoughts are incomplete. It's just where you are. It's just, it, let alone maybe inaccurate, but you are basing so much, meaning let alone those who are receiving, but just, just where you are in your mind, you, you're forming, you're creating an attitude, a posture, a behavior, all, and let alone setting yourself in a direction, huh? all based on incomplete and inaccurate way of thinking and now behaving. And, and what does Paul say? Paul doesn't say, brothers and sisters, fix your mind on what is incomplete, what is inaccurate, what is negative, what's going to discourage, what's going to really weigh you down emotionally and, and discourage you and drain you from inspiration of God, Holy Spirit. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, Fix your mind on what is true, lovely, praiseworthy, excellent, noble, admirable. This is what he's saying. Fix your mind on, my friends. Why? Because God created you. He delights in you. You are the first of all his fruits. And he made you to think this way. That if you would, you would know this more of God. You would break through. You'd press on, huh? Look, for some of us, in order to get to that grit, we've got to change the way we're thinking, huh? We've got to begin by changing the way we're thinking. We've got to pause, take a few. Is God truly God in heaven? Is he not entitled to three seconds? Hmm? The God who created you, the Jesus who gave his life to you, certainly, certainly, certainly to pause and give him a few seconds and say, man, whatever I say, whatever I do, God is going to be glorified in that, huh? Yeah, come on. Man, and in that you're drawing closer to God who loves you. You'd know God's love. You would know God's love. You pause and say, I know God loves me. That's a, that's a true thought, isn't it? That's a beautiful thought. That's an admirable thought. All right. So, we got to change the way we think, huh? Huh? But we got to change the way we're thinking. And then we got to train ourselves. So to get this grit, we change the way we're thinking, and now we want to train ourselves. And this is this art of becoming a one more kind of person. 
That's who John Henry was. One more nail in the rail. Let's just keep it going. That's who the Apostle Paul was, right? He wanted to reach one more spiritually lost person. He wanted to put out there one more truth about Jesus Christ. He wanted to change one more life, right? See, one more lost sheep come back. God designed us to be a one more kind of people, to take one more step, one more step. You see, God has created capacities in us that are going to take a lifetime for us to learn, and we would never exhaust them. If you're living, if you're breathing, you can take one more step in that area of your life where you need a breakthrough. It's there. God made you that way. There's nothing more resilient than the Spirit of God in you. Take one more step for that breakthrough. There's more ahead for you. Train yourself to be that one more step kind of a person. You know, parents, you know, if, if, if things are all in place the way they should be, they're well, when a child is born, that child is born with capacities, right? And those capacities need to be developed and trained, yes, right? Like learning to walk. It's there to do, but they're not doing it. They've got to learn it. They've got to kind of grow into it. And, and, and they need to be trained to do it, right? I mean, at first they bo they're born to this little messy blob, right? You know? Then they roll over and it's like, oh, they rolled over, you know? Yeah. And then, and then they, the big sit-up, not the spit-up, but the sit-up. And then they'll crawl, right? One of, one of ours actually crawled backwards. He just would never, I don't think he ever crawled forward. He just crawled backwards. Wound up being the first one, though. He walked the earliest out of all of them, right? And, you know, and, and, and when they fall, what do you hear? What do we say to our kids when they fall? Don't get up. You're not supposed to do that? Oh, no. No, we say it's okay. It's okay, right? We do. I mean, I did. We say, it's okay, it's okay, it's, it's all right, you know? Because why? Because we know that they can get back up. We know they have the capacity to get back up, right? So it's okay. I want you to put this in, into you right now. We just say, get back up, and what? Take another step. Just one more step. Why? Because we know they have the capacity to do that. You have the capacity to take one more step. God has created you for more. God, God knows that we're going to fall, right? Because falling is part of taking one more step. Just like falling is part of a child learning to walk, yes? And I wonder, I wonder if God it is not as much disappointed or has issue with us falling. I want to be careful there theologically. But, but more so, the greater concern is that we don't get up and take another step, right? I think Jesus gave his life for when we would fall, right? But then for us not to get up and take another step, are we tapping into the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead that lives in us? Are we truly acknowledging the greatness of our Lord and Savior Jesus? When we say, you know what, I'm going to stay the way I am, I'm not going to take that one more step. In marriage, we fall, we stumble. Marriage does not work out by itself, right? Marriage is one more act of kindness, one more act of humility. 
meaning I'm going to consider the other person before myself. I'm going to do it so much that head is going to spin with this, man. I'm going to serve them. That's what matters to me right now. Not winning this argument, not teaching them a lesson, not getting what I want, not turning around and, 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 and holding to what I think is best. We're talking about things that, that are not sinful, are not damaging within the realm of reality, not some distorted view, right? Exaggerated view. I'm just going to serve. And that is humble because Jesus served, man. That's what Jesus did. He was a servant. He considered himself, the scripture says, he, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. grasped and said he came down huh, and, and became nothing, became one of us so that we would know him. Humility, huh? one more step of humility, one more book on marriage, one more small group, right? One more conference, one more counseling appointment, one more date night, one more. You might think no one's had these struggles in their marriages, right? And really the difference is those who just keep taking that one more step and, and, and those who have realized that there's going to be falling and there's going to be difficulty, you just take that one more step, have the grit to keep going in all of life. This is all of life. One more phone call, one more class to take, one more thing to work out, one more nail in the rail, huh? One more swing of the hammer. One more prayer to God. One more act of faith. One more hour to serve in the preschool. One more worship service to see somebody come to know Jesus. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Paul was a one more person in a world of quitters. What are you? It is easier to quit short term. I've had people say to me, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard to be a Christian. I said, oh man, I'm telling you right now, it is hard. Matter of fact, it's harder than you think. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's harder not to live for Jesus. I've done both. I did one for almost 30 years. I've done this one now for about 24 years. And listen, it's harder not to live for Jesus in all my eyes. Because my future has never looked better, huh? The best is yet to come, right? Paul says, I have fought the grit, the f I have fought for the faith. I have finished the race, the grit not to quit. So change what you're telling yourself. Change how you're training yourself in your mind, huh? I'm not going to quit. And then you're going to have to tunnel through. You want the breakthrough. Don't think negatively. Don't quit. And you've got to tunnel through. Why? Why tunnel through? Say, Dave, why do I got to tunnel through? Because there's more on the other side, right? There's something great on the other side. That's why you tunnel through. There was more on the other side for John Henry, right? For John Henry, it was more freedom, 40 acres of land, and a future for his son. Tunnel through because there's more on the other side. Listen, when you read Scripture throughout the Bible, you'll see that people, they endured those who truly came to know God in great ways and God glorified himself through, they endured tremendous difficulties and sufferings. Often what they thought would come to be of God's promises seemingly were delayed much longer than they thought, 10 years, 25 years, 50 years. Their lives were, you know, seemingly there was more of a presence of, 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 God, of God's promise. There was more of a presence of suffering and difficulties. 
But, but by going through that, all of that suffering and difficulties, and that's how they came to the more that God had for them, and that's how we come to the more that God has for us. There's a path to the more that God has for us. There is a path. The Bible tells us that of, of this path. It shows it to us. It's the straighter path. It's not the crooked path. And that path, and as much as it has the sufferings and the, and the difficulties, it has the provisions of God on it. There is no path. I want you to hear me. There is no path around the mountain to what God has for you. Do you hear me? Yeah. You've got to tunnel through the mountain. You've got to persevere. There was a book in my class last semester in the spring. I had to, I had to do a... a, a, a uh, you know, I had to do a, a book, we, it's research, I want to get the details of it, but anyway, I had to do a kind of a research on this book, and uh, on a book, and the book I chose was Grit, and, and Angela Duckworth in this book, she, she studies, she did this ma really empirical study, and she started with really the uh, United States Marines, on what quality seems to make some do better than others, I meaning what separates those who are incredibly successful who don't. He said she started out with really the Navy SEALs and their training and how the Army was turning around and, and kind of used it, how they were gauging to, to determine when, when these students came in or these cadets came in, what would determine who would make it through this crazy, incredible, grueling training and who would not. And she said, I think you're going about it the wrong way. And she used this grit scale to determine that. And she said, in the end, those who had grit, those who would persevere, huh? those who would stay focused and hold to what they were doing and not give up on that, those are the ones that were the best. Those are the ones who performed significantly better than all the others, regardless of their college education, their socioeconomic background, their physical ability, regardless of anything. And she said, I brought it over to all of life, psychologists, doctors, college students, everybody. This is it right here. This is how God made us. So there is no path around the mountain to what God has for you. You've got to tunnel through. Now, there is a path around the mountain, but it ain't from God. You hear me? That's that negative thought that's posted in your head. Look, we want to pray. God, give me the grit to finish. Enable me to tunnel through why? why? Why are we praying that? Because we can't tunnel through on our own. You see, you need God. That's why you pause for three seconds, because when you're doing that, you're turning to God. That's why you have humility, because humility is you're turning to God. You're considering God before yourself. You're not getting wrapped up in yourself. You're not seeing your future through your own lens. You're, you're trusting in God. God, help me, enable me to tunnel through. God, I know you made me to tunnel through. That's what Paul was teaching us about how he pressed on when he said, I fought the good fight. Paul suffered, he struggled. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, five times I received 40 lashes minus one, three times beaten with a rod. I suffered without food, without sleep. I had danger on the sea, danger on land. Jews came against me, non-Jews, man. Wow, this is someone who God loved. And in all of this suffering and difficulty, we know that Paul pressed on because he said, I finished the race. I fought the good fight. And he gives us the secret of all of this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12 through 13. In verse 12, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Come on. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can, I, I, yeah, yeah, I know people muck this up in theology, huh? 
I can endure the suffering. I can endure the disappointment. I can handle the delay. God has given me a promise. I'm going to break through because there's more for me. I'm going to tunnel through. I'm going to tunnel through. I can tunnel through. There's going to be more in my marriage, more in my life, more in my kid's life to know Jesus and glorify God. I can do it. I can endure. God Almighty is giving me the grit to finish. Well, I think what Paul is saying is here is you can tunnel through when you identify with Christ, when you lean on to your faith. Huh? Paul is saying God will give you a bigger hammer. Get out the bigger hammers and tunnel through, yes? You're going to hit bigger mountains. I know that as I'm sitting there last night with Christy and just tossing out what I see coming, as I do that, I'm pressing it now. But I didn't just, I've been putting it out a little bit to some people around me, I've been talking about it, but now I'm like, I'm professing it. And I'm looking, I said, that is going to happen. I told her, I said, that's going to happen. That's going to happen. Now I'm professing it. I'm speaking it into the spiritual realms. That's going to happen. Meaning, I am, we are prepared now to suffer and to sacrifice and to tunnel through to see these things happen. Yes? Yeah, there's more. You go, and I know those mountains are coming. I know as soon as I put that out there, my enemy's going to rage, he's going to roar, and he's going to come against us and me, my family, and all that there is to be. That's how this is going to work. But I know if we will just press on, huh? Right? If we will not allow the negative to pour into our minds and to take control of us, if we will remember this more, I know, huh? that if we just keep taking one more step, whatever the enemy throws at us, and how it comes with just one more step, just knowing what God has, knowing one more person needs to know more of Jesus, huh? I know if we tunnel through, man, there's something beautiful on the other side. The best is yet to come, yes? Keep going. Some of you have already experiencing the beginning of breakthroughs. I've been getting texts and emails. It's been beautiful. Keep going to the breakthrough. Change what you tell yourself. Change how you train yourself and tunnel through to God be the glory.